Welcome to the Hollywood vs. Hollywood podcast. I'm your host, HT, joining you with my co-host, the Bearheart himself, Michael Herbert. Happy to be here. Today we are going to talk about twin movies that explore the complexities and nuances of being a supervillain. Today on the Hollywood vs. Hollywood podcast, we are talking about Despicable Me vs. Megamind. Let's start with Despicable Me. Spin the trailer. For Gru, being a supervillain isn't easy, and he's about to inherit... Hello? Three small problems. Does this count as annoying? Just because he's a bad guy doesn't mean he's a bad guy. Wow, this is garbage. You actually like this? Despicable Me in eye-popping 3D. Michael, what is Despicable Me about? Oh, I almost forgot that we do this. Good. That means you can speak from your heart. (laughs) Okay, Despicable Me is about a relatively unsuccessful super villain named Gru who finds out that uh, there's more to life when he comes into contact with uh, three uh, conveniently orphaned children. Okay. And uh, our second contender today is Megamind. Destined for what? I didn't quite hear that last part. When the world needs a hero. You need to be that guy. Well, this is a strange turn of events. He will answer the call. Hello? Like that? And the superhero movie will never be the same. Will Vero, Tina Fey, Jonah Hill, and Brad Pitt. Ah! DreamWorks Megamind. Michael, what is Megamind about? Hmm, Megamind. Megamind is about another relatively unsuccessful supervillain who I don't know I don't know if he's unsuccessful. He is. He's in jail when we meet him. Oh, that's true. You're right. And his journey of learning has to do with um finding a purpose, finding a a, a purpose greater than his desire to subjugate, his desire to conquer. He, yeah. He's looking for more in his life. He, he thinks he's a bad guy, but he is, in fact, a good guy. That is true. That is true. Both are very enjoyable movies. One of them has spawned a whole Minions universe dating back to the Jurassic era. How many movies are there? I think there's like seven. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. They, they have made billions by this point. Because there's, so there, I mean, there's Despicable Me... One, two, three. One, two, three. I'm sure a fourth one's coming along. There's There's at least two Minion movies. There's a show. There's a Minions show. You have a kid, and I don't, so you're probably a little more aware of how far the Minions have sprawled. And you can find toys, you know, merchandising, pillows. Like, you don't see Megamind toys. That's true. I mean, for someone who never saw Despicable Me until we were going to do this podcast, I've seen a lot of Minions in my life. So I was going to bring that up, that it is my understanding that you have never watched either of these movies until just now. For That's this true. That's true. And it, it, it's, it's kind of strange, particularly Megamind is the kind of film whose tagline is interesting to me. And I, I like animated films. Uh, so, you know, just kind of, kind of odd that I, I hadn't dug into these before. If I had to bet on it, I would say that you like Megamind more. We'll find out. Are you ready to pit these two movies Bulbous head to bulbous head against each other. I don't like that. Guru doesn't really have a bulbous head. It's a a little round. Pyramids will be deflated. Superheroes will be vaporized. But 
only one movie can emerge a true Hollywood victor in the Hollywood versus Hollywood podcast. I don't know if that's true, what you're saying about the four-year-old virgin. This conversation's actually making me remember Despicable Me more fondly. Which movie has the best menu? The purpose of our podcast is to put an end to all debate about which twin movie is better. Uh, you know, I like to think of our conclusions as being a part of the conversation, but finality feels like a lot of responsibility. I'm ready to carry this uh, responsibility on our shoulder of putting a finality to the debate. Okay. I mean, you never know which way the points are going to go, so. For our listeners, we have a very simple process. Each movie will compete in 18 categories. 18 this week. And it will be granted a point if it wins that category. In the end, whichever movie has the most total points wins in this episode of the Hollywood versus Hollywood podcast. Michael and I are also each allowed the ace up your sleeve card. Michael, what is the ace up your sleeve card? The ace up the sleeve card brings an end to the debate on a specific category. So if you or I feel particularly strongly or just cannot listen to one more point that the other is making, we can pull the ace up the sleeve card and the debate and grant the point to the movie of our choosing. The rules are clear. Here we go. Are you ready? I'm ready. Category one. Which movie won the release date? Despicable Me was released on July 9th, 2010. Megamind was released on October 30, 2010. Tell me, Michael, who got to the races first? I mean, it sounds like Despicable Me won the race to the box office. Point Despicable Me. Let's add it to the board. All right. You got it? All yep. Right, cool. Category two. Which movie won the box office? What's, what are the rules of this category? Who won the box office means which film had the biggest gross at the box office. Yeah, and uh, Michael and I fight about this because I believe the number should be net, and he's a, he's, he believes in the gross number. So sometimes a movie that actually flopped ends up winning this category, and it upsets me. I'm a believer in Hollywood accounting. Here are the numbers. Read them out loud. All right. Despicable Me grossed $540. $3.2 million at the box office, while Megamind grossed $321.9 million. That, there's a big difference between those two numbers. That's a pretty big difference, but I mean, that's an impressive gross for, for both films. This was actually a very good year for animated films altogether. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon, released this year, grossed $494 million. Shrek Forever After grossed $752 million. Oof. And the biggest winner of that year was Toy Story 3, which grossed a whopping $1 billion. Wow. What a year. Between Megamind and Despicable Me, there's only one clear box office winner. Say it out loud, Michael. Despicable Me. Despicable Me, with its minions, takes the point. Toy Story 3 came out in 2010. Came out in 2010. Oh We're old. God. We're old. Oh, my God. Category 3. Michael, which movie has a better title? You tell me, what do you think? That's interesting. I feel like I haven't put a ton of thought into this, so, so let's break it down a little bit. Megamind is pretty self-explanatory. The name Megamind leads you to believe you're, you're going about to see a story about a powerful person, likely something science fiction related. Despicable Me, not knowing anything about the film, I, I, I wouldn't be, I don't know if I'd be able to guess what kind of movie it is it it feels like it would maybe be like um a film about like a french canadian misanthrope you know like well what what's a misanthrope for uh people like me who don't understand big vocabulary say, words for you 
Um, I mean, a misanthrope is like someone who doesn't is 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 like grumpy, doesn't get along with people, uh, and unhappy. Big and, word, Michael, throwing out person. words left and right. Why didn't you just call him grumpy? I'm trying to raise the bar here. <laughs> All right. So, uh, what do you think between the two titles? Do you have a favorite? You know, honestly, I don't love either. But if I ha- if I'm going to give a point, I'm going to give the point to Mega Mind. Ah, this is the first time. Right away, we disagree. Right away, right Already. away. So I think Despicable Me better title, more original. If I if I don't know anything about the movies, if I don't even know that they're animated movies, and I see Despicable Me and I see Mega Mind, I would be more curious about what is Despicable Me. Mega Mind. At this time, you know, movies were coming out that were just superhero movies. Iron Man, Kick-Ass, all of these movies were coming out in, uh, in the 20, 2008 to 2011 time, X-Men. So it was all expected, and Despicable Me was something different. All right, I'm going to say this. I don't like doing this. I don't like doing this so early in the podcast, but you've convinced me. I think Despicable Me is a more intriguing title for a film than Megamind. I withdraw my earlier statement, and I agree, Despicable Me is a better title. Wow. I had like 50 more points, but I'll take it, and uh, woohoo! I feel like I should have dug my heels in there and made you use your Ace Up the Sleeve card. <laughs> I don't know if I would have used the Ace Up My Sleeve card, but you know what? I'm glad that I was able to convince you otherwise. I mean, usually the Ace Up the Sleeve card is like vacation days for you. Once you have it, you can't wait to use it. Yeah, yeah. Let's take a deeper look into these movies. Category 4. Which movie has the better leading actor? Despicable Me has Steve Carell as Gru, whereas Megamind has Will Ferrell as Megamind. Both actors were at the peak of their careers at the time. Steve Carell had captured the heart of America from being the star of the hit TV show The Office. He also had a streak of great movies, including Date Night and Dinner for Schmucks, just in 2010. And he will forever be beloved for his role in The 40-Year-Old Virgin. Will Ferrell had been America's sweetheart for several years from his work on Saturday Night Live and his performance in movies like Old School, Anchorman, Step Brothers, one of my favorites, and our beloved, 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 beloved Christmas movie, Elf. In 2010, he also appeared in a pretty fun movie called The Other Guys. What do you think? Which is the better leading man, Steve Carell or Will Ferrell, as Gru and Megamind in these two movies? You did a really good job preparing for this today. Oh, thanks. I like the lead-in. I'm I'm such a big Steve Carell fan. I absolutely love The Office. I think the 40-year-old virgin is... Is it the first big Judd Apatow film? Because I think it's still his best. I don't know, man. There's Knocked Up. Knocked Up's a great movie. There's uh, the one with the piano, the, the Dracula musical. What is that one called? Forgetting Sarah Marshall. That's a great one. Oh, my God. I, I can't... Uh, you know, they're super bad. I don't know if that's true, what you're saying mm. about the 40-year-old virgin. Super bad might be better but the, the character of andy and 40 year old virgin is an iconic film character and the 40 year old virgin is of course too long like all judd apatow movies but it still feels fresh it still feels relevant on the dramatic side steve carell and in, in, in foxcatcher is pretty amazing so the- I, I do want to pause right there because we are not comparing them as leading men in other movies we're comparing them as leading men in these two movies only. I know. I'm just, I'm trying to build a scene. I'm trying to, you know, sprinkle some fairy dust here. Okay, tell, tell me more about Steve Carell. No, no, no. We're going to move on Steve Carell. Um, Will Ferrell, when Megamind started, when the movie started, I was very conscious of Will Ferrell's voice. Is it because of your history with Will Ferrell? 
I think he just has a very unique voice. And he's not really doing all that much to change his voice. It's, it's, you know, it's kind of his voice. Whereas Steve Carell's performance of Gru, he's putting on a heavy accent, which I think gets a little grating as time goes on. But over the course of Megamind, my image of, you know, Will Ferrell behind a, a microphone kind of faded away. And I felt like the voice reflected the, the character a little more organically and, and kind of, you know, I, I, I lost the image of the actor in my head and was really, really, really uh, on board with the character of Megamind in a way that I wasn't with Gru. So in this case, I'd, for best leading actor, I'd, I'd go Megamind, Will Ferrell. Let me see if I can flip you on this one without having to use my ace up the sleeve card. I prefer the character of Megamind way more than I like the character of Gru. But Steve Carell as Gru is a really, really interesting character. He has a strange accent, which is like really unexpected of a protagonist in a movie. And the character design, which I originally disliked when I watched these movies, has actually grown on me. The character design in Despicable Me is more unique than the character design in Megamind. I actually did not know right away that Steve Carell was playing this character. And with Will Ferrell's Megamind, when I hear Will Ferrell, I know it's Will Ferrell. Whereas in Despicable Me, I can kind of forget that Steve Carell is playing this character. So for me, Carell's Gru was a much better performance than Will Ferrell's Megamind. Well, you have not moved me an inch. So much so that I don't want to have this argument. I'm going to pull the ace up my sleeve. Best leading actor, Will Ferrell, Megamind. I am so relieved because I was going to do the ace up my sleeve and I get to save it. (laughs) I get to save it. I even hinted at it that I was going to use it if I could not convince you. How could you not remember that? Man, it sounded like you were gearing up for... It sound, I, I felt like you had more written on the iPad in front of you to come at me with. And I was like, I don't even want to hear it. <laughs> I do, but I, I could see in your eyes that you were not convinced. Well, I'm glad that we were <laughs> able to rip that card right out of your hands. Uh, happy to give it to Will Ferrell. Uh, you know, a very entertaining entertainer and an actor. Category 5. Which movie has the best cast? Now, let's, dif- let's t- explain this to our audience. What is, what is the best cast category? I mean, we're talking about the cast outside of the leading role. So, besides Steve Carell in Despicable Me, there's Jason Segel, Julie Andrews, Russell Brand. I don't care for him. Kristen Wiig. I love her. Will Arnett. Danny McBride. I love him. Mindy Kaling. Jack McBrayer. And Ken Jeong. That's a whole ton of funny people, plus the amazing Julie Andrews. Megamind, besides Will Ferrell, has Brad Pitt, Tina Fey, Jonah Hill, Ben Siller, David Cross, and J.K. Simmons. This one's a no-brainer for me. Tell me your thoughts. I'd actually like to hear your thoughts. So, I think the characters in Megamind were very well hashed out, whereas in the characters in Despicable Me were very caricature-ish. So each of these actors, Tina Fey, Jonah Hill, Ben Siller, David Cross, J.K. Simmons, were very well defined in Megamind. So, and they also are stars. All of them are stars. So I would give point Megamind. What do you think? Uh, I'm in total agreement here. I was pretty impressed across the board with the vocal performances. You know, when the movie started, I recognized a lot of voices, J.K. Simmons, um, David Cross, and, and, you know, there was a moment where I was like, this is Jonah Hill's voice here, but he's not, he's not really doing anything. Like, there's nothing 
nowhere for this character to go, and I, I don't understand why he's Jonah Hill. So as the film evolves and gives him more to do, I'm actually more and more impressed with, with the performance. Um, you know, whereas I, I almost feel like the voice casting in Despicable Me is it's less important to the success of the characters outside of Gru, the three kids. And I mean, the three kids that aren't, you know, they're not voiced by any celebrity actors or anything. Well, one of them is kind of evolving into a celebrity now. Oh, yeah. Uh, she's the she's the girl in uh, Eighth Grade, which is, I believe, one of her favorite movies. Oh, I love Eighth Grade. Yeah, the girl in Eighth Grade voices one of the younger girls. Do we know this actor's name, this girl actor's name? Should we find out or should we move on? Elsie Fisher, the name of the young woman from Eighth Grade, who also voices the character Agnes in Despicable Me. Which one was Agnes? The, uh, the pink cat one? We don't know. Anyways, uh, well, so yeah, I, I'm sure she has a bright future ahead of her. While we're talking about casting here, let me let me go ahead and, and pick a bone. Oh my god! Okay. With Despicable Me, who has a, a character who's who's kind of a co-mad scientist with Gru, uh, Mr. Nefaro, Doctor Nefaro. Doctor Nefaro. So Doctor Nefaro is this like gray-haired mad scientist, right? And is he supposed to be German or something? He's voiced by Russell Brand. Yeah. Who is, like, at this time, a relatively young person. Mm. So I, I had kind of an issue anytime he was on screen where, where I felt like the voice coming out of that character's face did, did not really match what I was seeing. I, I, I'm pretty sure Russell Brand would roast me, but I'll be honest with you, man. I'm not on the Russell Brand train at all. For me, he doesn't work as an audience. Oh, I mean, you know, I think we mentioned Forgetting Sarah Marshall, and I'm a fan of his performance in that film. I can't recall seeing him in anything else that I was really blown away by. I agree. Forgetting Sarah Marshall is a great movie, but I feel like Russell Brand's character in Forgetting Sarah Marshall is replaceable by another actor. That's fair. Let's come come back to the cast, though. We're giving it to Megamind. And I did want to shout out, I really enjoyed David Cross's performance as Minion in Megamind. David Cross, uh, you know, Arrested Development, Mr. Show... So, from Arrested Development, who was in Despicable Me? Will Arnett. So, uh, the common thread between these two movies is uh, two actors from the famous TV show Arrested Development are each voicing important characters on both sides of the aisle. If only our government could find common ground like this. All right. Next category? The, uh, I wrote this line down, which I think you might have enjoyed, which is... I think I like the buffet of stars in Megamind way better than the vending machine of comedians in Despicable Me. I'm surprised you came at it this hard, but yes, I agree. Okay, this is the next category. The best, best scene. In this category, Michael and I agree on what we think is the best scene in each movie, and then we decide which movie has the best, best scene, and the point goes to that movie. Michael, I had a hard time coming up with my best scenes. Why don't you tell me what you think is the best scene? In each of these movies. All right. So uh, I had an easier time picking out some scenes that I liked in Megamind. So I think we'll start there. One scene that I really enjoyed in Megamind is the first time that Megamind kidnaps Roxanne and is attempting to lure Metro Man uh, to his, uh, what you find out uh, is a fake observatory. There's some nice cross-cutting. So you get a little bit of Megamind... Minion, in particular, Megamind's relationship with Roxanne. Like, you get to understand that they've been in this situation before, 
and uh, at many times apparently, and uh, Megamind is bringing out all these different threatening weapons, uh, and Roxanne is just like not impressed, and she's not scared, and it's it's frustrating to Megamind. And you know, meanwhile, uh, there's a large crowd that's gathered out in front of a, a Metro Man museum, and today is is uh, like an opening day sort of ceremony, and they're seeing a live feed of video from Megamind's uh, observatory. So, you know, it's a scene that gives you insight into the characters, their relationships, but also that your expectations about, like, superhero films and tropes from superhero films uh, are going to be upended. I think it's a film that really represents the the type of subversion that the the writers of Megamind were going for. Is this the first time in this movie that the subversion happens or before the scene it has happened before. And I also want to point out to our audience that in 2008, Iron Man came out, popularized the superhero genre and Megamind, Kick-Ass and a few other movies subverted people's expectations of these movies. And this was a really good time to watch movies because a lot of different types of movies were coming out at this time, subverting people's expectations even even a movie like How to Train Your Dragon has a dragon with its... Is it a busted tail or a busted leg? Have you seen that movie? Oh, man, I haven't seen it. Well, it's nothing... You find out pretty early on that it's like a busted tail or something. I mean, I'm just... I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed for myself. I'm not mad at you for bringing up something about the plot. So a lot of different things and exciting things were happening in the time that these movies came out, including Des- Despicable Me, where the character of Gru is a very unlikely protagonist. So um, so my question to you is, is this the first time that subversion happened? In, in, in this film. In this film. Because I've seen this movie so many times, I kind of forgot when the subversion starts. To me, it's even when when this, the capsule that the babies are in, uh, one of the capsule gets... Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I, I mean, there's a direct reference to Superman uh, up front, the way that Superman was jettisoned from Krypton towards Earth. And you get, you know, the first interaction between the Metro Man and, and Megamind that their their space capsules bump and set them on different paths. So, I mean, uh, you, you early on, you get a sense that the film will be playing with tropes and thematic elements that are that are common to superhero movies. But there's going to be a spin on them. Uh, I would say that this particular scene that I'm talking about, you know, takes that uh, a, a step further to say, you know, that there's a self-realized difference in these relationships, right? Like that the the Roxanne, who's kind of like a Lois Lane and, and Megamind, who is like a Lex Luthor, that they, they both know that they have roles to play and um, they will play them. And the major subversion, one of the first twists in first major twists in the movie is that Metro Man dies in this scene. Or does he? That's my first best scene. I also really liked the fight between Megamind and Titan. There was a lot of, you know, physical comedy and action kind of intertwined. Now now that I'm thinking about this, actually, there's other scenes that I really like. I, I really like the scene where... Oh, uh, before you move on from that scene, I just want to say my favorite part of that scene was the change-up that Megamind does uh, into superhero uh, Metro Man. 
uh, I didn't catch on to it until he said metrocity. Metrocity. Until he said metrocity, I didn't catch on to what was going on, which was I think a really good twist, really good reveal. Uh, but yeah, moving on to the. You scenic. might say that it's more subversion. More, even more subversion. Yes. Uh, yeah. So what's the, what's the next scene? Right now, I realize because I'm going off the top of my head, we're going outside of chronolo- chronological order here. But I, I wanted to think of a, a scene that was maybe a little like quieter. Uh, and I, I really like the dinner scene between Roxanne and Megamind as Bernard. The, the the midway fight in the movie. In any movie, in any script, any good script, the big turnover happens in the middle. And this kind of happens in the middle of the movie where Roxanne finds out that Bernard is in fact Megamind. Yeah, Megamind playing Bernard was, was fun. You know, it, it's kind of like what you see when Superman is being Clark. Plus the reveal... He transitions from Bernard back to Megamind while they're kissing. Like it, it, It's just a, a fun scene and, and I think smartly written. Uh, can I tell you the one I wrote down? Please. For Megamind, I wrote down the scene where Roxanne and Megamind go to Metroman's lair uh, and they discover the melting ice and then Metroman kind of finds them there and is doing a quick turnaround and then they discover that Metroman is in fact alive. To me, that was my favorite scene in Megamind. What do you think of that scene? It's a good reveal and, and the notion of like, oh, the glass still has ice in it. Almost feels like a noir, you know, almost feels like lipstick on the glass. Through, throughout Megamind, there's a lot of nice nods to, to other films and filmmaking. Megamind feels a little bit more in conversation with like the adult world of, of cinema than Despicable Me. Before we move on to Despicable Me, do you want to pick a best scene in Megamind. So of the scenes you mentioned, I like the fight at the end and I like the one, the scene that I mentioned. All right, let's go with the fight at the end. Fight at the end with twists and turns, how Megamind outsmarts Titan, who spells Titan in a, in a weird way. T-I-G-H. I found that surprising because he's a cameraman. He's not a, the dumbest guy. So how could he misspell that? I, mean, I don't understand it. Well, I can understand why you as a camera person might be upset by that uh, depiction. <laughs> camera people are smart. We're smart people. That's why they invented autofocus. Indespicable Me, Michael, what do you have down as the best scene in the movie? You know, I, I really liked the beginning of the film uh, with the, the pyramid. We find out through a short misadventure of a, 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 an American tourist child that, that the, the, the great pyramids that they're there to see are, in fact, inflated. They're balloons. They're made of rubber because someone has stolen the pyramids. I wonder how many conspiracy theories were started after watching the scene in the movie. I did think it was it's clever then when you see uh, at Vector's home, I was going to say hideout, but it's not really hidden, uh, that you see the pyramid, which is painted blue to uh, um, blend into the sky. I, I thought that was a great scene, but I do really, I really like the, the beginning from, from the pyramid scene into the introduction of of Gru, where we just kind of see the the pettiness, like the the degree of attention to being a, a villain that he kind of brings to his everyday life. He sees a child crying because they've dropped their ice cream, so he makes them a, a balloon animal just to pop to Gru parking his enormous vehicle and 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 hitting the cars in front and behind him. It was a nice introduction to the character. And I thought some of the more organic storytelling in the film. What else you got? Or do you want me to tell you the scenes that I wrote down? Let me hear what you got. To me, the best parts of this movie were when Gru starts bonding with the girls. Uh, so my, the first scene I wrote down is when they go to the theme park roller coaster ride. And then 
you know the the ride itself and what happens after how he gets the toy for the girl and the second scene that i wrote down is him reading the book to the girls putting them uh take uh, you know taking them uh to sleep uh at nighttime so those are the two scenes i wrote down do you have either of those on your list no i i would say that i enjoyed the last scene there's one of the last scenes where he's reading the book that he wrote that's the, a, that's the one I'm talking oh, about. Oh, that's, that's when, that's, when they, that's when they actually fall asleep. Right? Okay. I, I would say that I didn't have a huge emotional attachment to the girls or, or the relationship that they have with Gru, but... I'm hurt. I'm hurt. I'm hurt. I felt that relationship. I felt it. In the, in the cheapest way possible, they really turned the screws on me in that last scene. Um, okay, so let's, let's agree on the book reading then? Yes? Book read... The, the end book reading? Yes. Let me think for one moment, because I, I, I really like the... I feel like the amusement park scene might be more emblematic of, of the, the film at large. I think that uh, that has fun elements to it, plus it's also the first time we're seeing Gru having to let go from his... Uh, his uh, what, what, how would you describe it? His, his shield? His like image, yeah. His affront. His front, yeah. yeah. So I, I would... Pro- between the two scenes, if I had to pick the best scene, I would pick that scene. The, the roller coaster scene. Me too. Uh, all right, so it's, it's between the roller coaster scene and the Titan and Mega Mind fight at the end of Mega Face Off. The Face Off. Which one are we going to pick as the best best scene? You know, when we started talking about this, I was like, I don't think there's any scenes in Despicable Me that are better than any scenes in Mega better than the best scenes of Mega Mind. I, I just think Mega Mind's like a just a better film but now that we're now that we're talking about it i'll tell you this as as an adult i enjoyed megamind a lot more than i did despicable me however if i can think of it more objectively i feel that despicable me has not only a great character arc but is also a more you know as as we discussed earlier a, a better family film if you will there's something really weird happening here where when we sat down, in, uh, as we've discussed, I, I don't like showing my hand too early. When we sat down, I was ready to trounce Despicable Me. I was not happy watching this movie. Um, and I really liked Megamind. I thought it was very clever. Um, and I thought it was fun. I, I responded to a lot of the jokes. But now that we're talking about it more, this conversation's actually making me enjoy, making me remember Despicable Me more fondly. I don't think it's a better film than Megamind, but I'm finding more things to appreciate about it. So, um... Best, best scene. Tell no, it. Give I, it to me. No, you, I mean, you, you tell me. You tell me. Oh, man. This is a tough one because we love both of these characters and both of these scenes that we were talking about are great character moments. Uh, Megamind's fight really shows a lot of character because at the end of the day we attach ourselves to characters in movies and the decisions that they make make them heroes and villains for us and megamind really shows a lot of character and heroism in that fight Gru, who we have been on his journey with in despicable me for the first time his beliefs are being challenged by these three girls when he's on that roller coaster ride for the first time he's kind of letting go of this shield that he has built up around him. This is a tough one for me, man. Help me out here. It's Megamind. It's, it's Megamind. Megamind. I, the, you know, I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, I'm being, I'm being like, you know, I, I feel like I'm being like hypnotized by 
the roller coaster and the shooting game and how fun that is. But the scene with me- you, you are right in that the scene from Megamind, you know, gives more insight into where we are with the characters. The twist is more clever, genuinely unexpected. So I think the best scene is Megamind, the fight between Megamind and Titan. And 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 I'm going to jump on that decision with you because I, I think I know the key difference between these two movies, which is you were talking about all the jokes that Despicable Me has. And in the scene where Gru destroys the, the toy thing to get uh, the toy shop to get the toy, that was, you know, a punchline that did not need to exist. It did not need to be that big of a punchline. And, and that depicts the humor that takes away from all the heart of the movie. So I'm going to go with you on this. Megamind gets a point. But before we move on, I have kind of a global issue with this thing in Despicable Me, which is that Gru and Vector and Dr. Nefario and the Minions, they create havoc. They create havoc and destruction in like an adult human world, right? Like the uh, the, the car in, right before the scene, uh, Gru's car pushes like a, a fishing man off the cliff. Right. Yes. And but 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 at the same time, Megamind in uh, in all of his uh, adventures is also knocking civilians left and right, destroying apartments left and right. The whole city has not been evacuated yet. But the film acknowledges that there are other people in the world and that they have feelings about this. And I don't think I don't think the civilians in Megamind are, are like, we don't really dive in. They're not particularly like well drawn. But you get a sense that they're put out and they and that they acknowledge what's happening to them, you know. But, but that happens in Megamind in uh, in more of an infomercial news read form than in Despicable Me where you see more humans interacting with the central characters of the movie. So I think if, if you were just talking about other people in town interacting with the main characters of the movie, I think Despicable Me does it better than Megamind. I'm not even interaction. We're talking about like repercussions, right? And responsibility that like Gru takes absolute dumps on everybody. He like destroys people's homes, destroys their cars. And, you know, nobody asks him for his insurance information. It's it's a cartoon world. Come on, it's a, that's what, but that's what I'm saying. Like you know, uh, so I just looked up. You know, The Incredibles came out in in 2004. Uh, I mean, I I don't think you would disagree that Incredibles would trounce both of these films. I, I would agree, and uh, it was either Roger Ebert or some other prominent reviewer who compared Megamind to a mix between The Incredibles and Despicable Me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you that's know. fair. Something, something interesting. It's, you know, The Incredibles shows you that, like, you can make a, a film about superheroes, superheroes as opposed to supervillains, but, you know, they encounter a lot of the same issues, right? Destruction of property, uh, societal ramifications of their actions, and it's, it's just, it's handled more holistically and eloquently in, in, a, in a film like The Incredibles. Yeah, sure, but... If you're talking about a superhero movie, Megamind's better. If you're talking about a family movie, Despicable Me is better, in my opinion. But, I mean, like, let's, you know, we're on episode three here, but let me say this now. Kids' movies, family movies, should still be good movies. I don't think Despicable Me is a bad movie. What's our next category, HT? (laughs) Category six. The best title drop. Movie's name stated in a scene. 
I mean, Despicable Me never has a moment when Despicable Me is said out loud, mm-hmm. except in the Feral song that's playing in the beginning. Right. So, so I mean, that's the, we've got a this is a discussion we have to have. If if you're going by the rule that the name gets mentioned, it gets a point. I thought when each movie has uh, the name mentioned, we should talk about which movie did it better. Rather than give one point to... You tell me. What do you want to do I feel like, I mean, the spirit of this, you know, the spirit of the title drop award is, you know, it's essentially a participation trophy. So if you you get it, you get it. We move on. So I'm going to change the category six name from best title drop to just a title drop. Yes. Okay. So (laughs) title drop, which is the movie's name stated in a scene, goes to both movies. So each movie gets a point. Despicable Despicable Me's name is said in the song by Pharrell, which is the Despicable Me song in the opening of the movie. And Megamind is said several times as a character's name throughout the movie. I think that the spirit of the title drop is that it should be spoken aloud by a character in in the tradition of face off in the tradition of the rock in the tradition of they say con air uh, you do not say con air yet no do they say con air doesn't does, yeah, they, malkovich they, says it right they, they 100% say it in con so air. i mean that's the that's the that's a bar the gold medal right? so uh i don't think either of these movies does it but if i were to Make it, uh, if I were to interpret it, I would say Despicable Me does it in the Feral song. Oh, I see. I, I think the absolute opposite. I think you have characters that say the name Megamind, but 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 it's not a title drop. It's not like Megamind. It's not. It's not the. It's not how John Travolta. I'm sorry. Uh, how Nick Cage says it in Face Off. Does a character say Megamind in conversation? Yes or no? Does a character say Megamind? The examples you gave are dramatic name drops in movies. And what you're going with here is conversational uh, name drop. Not, and they're not even talking about a thing. They're talking about a person. It's like me saying, hey, John. All right, all right, all right. Uh, man, you, I'm, losing my, I'm losing my edge because I agree I, with you. I, I'm I was, losing I was, my edge because I agree with you. If I, if I were to interpret what you said... Pharrell in his song saying saying Despicable Me is more in spirit of what you said than people just calling Mega Mind by his name. No, now I've been reconvinced that I was right originally. That uh, it's either both movies gets a point gets a point if you're bending the rules, or neither movie gets a point. No, my rule bend is that Despicable Me gets half a point. <laughs> half a point. Half a point. The examples you gave are dramatic. Name drops. I said that those were the gold standard. Give each movie half a point then. I'm not going to give a whole point to Megamind. Really? Yeah, because none of Megamind does not have a solid title drop. It's like characters saying, hey, John. Hey, Michael. Hey, HT. It's not, it's not oh, Megamind has exploded. All right. Half point each. I don't know what sound to make when a half, half a point goes up on the board. Maybe like a deflating balloon. Category 7. Best music moment slash needle drop in a movie. For Despicable Me, we have the entire Feral soundtrack, but specifically what works best for me is the Despicable Me theme in the beginning of the movie. What do you think? Well, you know, there's a couple needle drops in Despicable Me. Sweet Home Alabama? 
When does it, that happen? Is I think in the very first scene. The spirit of Needle Drop was a moment in the movie when music really captures the audience's attention in the best way possible. So thinking about that, Pharrell singing the title track Despicable Me as the character of Gru is being introduced to us is in the spirit of that category. I'm not impressed by the Despicable Me song. It's playing for a while before I even know really what it is. So, you know, this category can encom- can encompass a couple different things. You know, it can be just the best moment that, that has music in it in a movie. It can be score. It can be a pop song, something, you know, soundtrack. If we're talking needle drop, and I think both of these films have needle drop, it is a moment in a movie when a song is front and center, you know, and you know the second that it shows up. So for me, the real needle drop moment in Despicable Me is the dance sequence at the end. Uh, where the kids are doing the recital, and then the minions drop, you should be dancing. Sure, yeah, okay. Which is, it's a little cheap. It's a bit of a cheap shot. A lot, But a lot of kids' movies do that thing. Yes, and I thought, like, what a great moment to be in a movie theater. Is it original to that? movie or is it like somebody else's no it's a bg song see i don't know that i uh for our listeners i grew up in a different country so i'm very unfamiliar with a lot of the pop songs that exist and i used to dj weddings so i'm all on top of it good, good to have your musical brains here for megamind i have back in black by acdc when megamind goes to attack titan what do you think of that one um i mean i think that's the moment that's that's that for me is the Megamind. Megamind is needle drop heavy. Um, they spent a lot of money on these licensing rights. Yeah, ACDC, Back in Black. I think Highway to Hell also appears. Um, Crazy Train, which is that? Is it Ozzy Osbourne? Yeah, it's an Ozzy Osbourne song. Mr. Sunshine, Electric Light Orchestra, uh, Welcome to the Jungle, Michael Jackson's Bad. It's a blowout. Yeah. It's a blowout. What what was your DJ name? DJ Mike M- with M I C. DJ Mike with M I C. Like with like written M I C. Like DJ Mike. I, I get it. I get it. Okay. DJ Mike has researched this properly, and the point goes to. Before we award the point, I want to talk about one more music moment that I thought was really kind of interesting and and reflective of the spirit in which Megamind was made. One of the first times that we encounter Metro Man. They're playing, it's a remix of an Elvis Presley song called A Little Less Conversation. Oh yeah, I like that song. It appears in Ocean's Eleven, which is a a movie starring Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt, who plays Metro Man. So that stuck out to me. But yeah, I thought, uh, I I, I really liked both ACDC Needle Drops. You brought up that this film was made after Iron Man, which... Which also features this song. I mean, it's kind of crazy for a superhero movie to needle drop ACDC twice in the wake of Iron Man. Well, they're two years apart. That song is frequently used in movies, isn't it? That's fair. But I do think they're they're more effective. I think I think all these needle drops that we've mentioned in Megamind are, are more effective than the one we mentioned in Despicable Me. Megamind in this category is a blowout. Category 8. Best director slash which movie was directed better? You probably understand animation better than I do. So I had a... I, I don't really know how to judge this one. So I, I think uh, 
on the broader sense, I was thinking more about how the animation is done, how the script is, how the storytelling is, how each, how well each character is developed, how the relationships of characters are with each other. And because of that, I came down to, and believe me, I love Megamind, and we're going to have a disagreement here. I can sense it already. Despicable Me, I thought, had better character moments, especially between Gru and the girls. And I also like the character design in Despicable Me better. It's much more grounded and, and I guess, cuter. And whereas Megamind, I felt, was more hardline, more, more, uh, more sharpness to the animation uh, than the softness that Despicable Me has. Once you get introduced to the characters of Megamind, other than Megamind himself, the rest of them don't really grow in the rest of the movie. Whereas in Despicable Me, the girls and Gru really bond with each other. What do you think? I think everything that you're talking about is in reference to the writing and not the directing. Okay, tell, tell me your directing piece. So from scene to scene in, in Despicable Me, the, the physical comedy... Uh, the physicality of, of, of the action really takes over. So much so that it, it almost feels um, like Chaplin-esque or, or like a, you know, a Buster Keaton short, um, the way that minions are bouncing off each other, bouncing off the walls. There are so many scenes that, that could feel like a kind of vignette un, unto itself. Whereas, you know, in, in Megamind, I feel much more flow in the story, much more flow in the storytelling from scene to scene. And I really like that you don't you don't really leave Megamind to go and be with other characters for any period of, of time, you know. In Despicable Me, you, you, you're spending time with the, the girls alone. You're spending time with Vector alone. Is that his name, Vector? I think so. I believe so. I mean, that that's probably writing, too. And, and uh, to, you know, get back specifically to directing, I feel like Megamind brings a more sophisticated use of framing to animation right like you and i when we're making our videos we talk about like what is this a shot of right that's my that's my big thing when it comes to directing and despicable me a lot of the action just kind of plays out in a wide you know plays out in a wide you you see what happens and then we move on um you know within in the movie megamind the frame is used as a way to tell the story. It, it shows you things. It keeps other things out of the frame, you know, in order to subvert your expectations. I'm trying to, while I'm saying this, I'm trying to think of one good example. So uh, the purposefulness of uh, the framing and everything I felt was there in Despicable Me. Let me, let me just present this question to you. I, I believe character design falls under direction, correct? A director kind of dictates the character's design in animated movies? I mean, directing is directing. Animated movies, how they're separate from live action is, for a director, animation is much more hands-on in the creation of the characters than live action, where a director kind of works with an actor. Are you saying this because you know it or because you think it? Uh, from behind the scenes of Pixar, uh, you know, they have made a lot of, a lot of documentaries about the making of movies. So uh, I, I saw a lot of, lot of it when Frozen came out because I was very, very impressed with the first Frozen. I thought of an example. Tell me. When Megamind shows up at Hal slash Titan's apartment, right? He busts through the wall and the direction allows you to 
anticipate it presents you with a scenario right and you as the viewer react to it you react to you know megamind using the robot to bust through the door he's talking about how rude it is that the hero has not shown up for the face-off you know that that's just from you know super villain to hero that that's rude and the direction does not show you the loot yet you know that that titan has acquired the 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 scene starts and you are unaware of the what he has a bicycle there's like a big stack of cash there's all this stuff that he's stolen the directing of the scene is what allows you to find out about that later in the scene as opposed to at the beginning the stuff's in the room but the the framing of the camera is used to pick and and choose what they're going to show you so, so that you are on a journey of 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 understanding and exploration with the character. Yeah. So I don't know if that's the best example, but uh, that's a pretty good example off the top of my head. Well, but because it's it's not it's it's not a unique joke to Megamind. It's it's a it's a thing that has been done in many different right. Shows but it and shows it shows a level a, pr- a uh, purpose purpose to the scene purposefulness to the directing. The the best scene that we picked in Despicable Me is very is a very good example of purposefulness to the directing, which is when they when the when the girls say we want to go to this place and then he he's like all right I'm gonna drop you off I'm gonna take off and just as he's leaving there's a hand on his shoulder you don't see the guy come up from behind him it just it's it's just a shot of him walking away and a hand lands on his shoulder so there's purpose purposefulness. In, whose hand? Whose hand is it? It's it's the guy who works at at the roller coaster place. So I'm just giving you an example. Can I say something as a friend? Yes. My example's better. <laughs> and then when he when he goes on the roller coaster ride, his experience of opening up himself, you know, he, you know, watching the roller coaster. Well, you're you're still you're talking about character performance and writing, and and not so much directing. Like, but, but the, I, the, I think the in, choice the choice of like going to a POV, like that's directing. But but all uh, in animation, it's brought even broader than that, which is every little thing, such as the expression on a character's face, how their eyes lighten up. All of these these things are. I want you to warm up that ace up your sleeve because I am not budging. You know what? I wanted it to be a humorous surprise for our audience, but it is coming. Here it is, ace up my sleeve. Yeah, yeah. I did not write down the director's names. Do you have them? Tom McGrath is the director of... I did write this down. Tom McGrath is the director of Megamind because I was like, somebody actually directed Megamind. <laughs> Let me look up the director of Despicable Me. By the way, Despicable Me was, uh, I, I think, a much more independent effort, uh, whereas uh, Megamind had a big studio and a lot of power behind it. I Actually, I do think that this is important to mention, that Despicable Me is the first film produced by Illumination Entertainment. Uh, and it was acquired by Universal because of how good it was. Tell me the director's name, my Chris friend. Chris Renaud and Pierre Coffin. Pierre Coffin. French French people. In their feature directorial debuts. And it feels like a first outing. That's kind of the thing about Despicable Me for me. I'm going to give the underdogs uh, the point here. The best director goes to... Chris Renaud and Pierre Coffin. The French take it yeah. point. I bet it's Despicable Coff- Me. I bet it's Coffin. Category 9. Best cinematography slash shot. This is when we recognize cinematography in a movie. I think I've already kind of talked about this 
uh, in the best director category, but I just like Despicable Me better in terms of cinematography. Uh, for me, what really stuck out was, besides the rest of the movie, the, the glowiness of the rest of the movie and the, the softer animation in the rest of the movie, what really stood out to me was the moon heist. I really enjoyed the moon heist in Despicable Me. D- did you know that both movies were, were released in 3D at the time that they came out? I did not. So Avatar's success caused a lot of studios to convert movies to 3D. And Megamind and Despicable Me were no exception. And a lot of choices in Megamind were informed by the 3D aspects of things. So that's why you see a little, the, the shots are a little wider in Megamind. They, they show parallax and the cityscape a lot more to, to give the audience that feel of a three-dimensional space. You, if, you, if you watch the movie again, just kind of notice that it's clunky in that way in that it's catering to 3D. Seeing it in 2D, I think Despicable Me just looks better in terms of cinematography. And I really enjoyed the moon heist. What do you think? I think the environments and the way that lighting is handled is more sophisticated in, in Despicable Me. The physics of, of, of the characters, just, you know, from walking around to, you know, Gru kind of parking his car... Um, all of that stuff feels very tactile, uh, whereas uh, in Megamind, I'm struggling to kind of recall a key visual from Megamind, whereas I do think like the visuals involving the moon, particularly, I think it's the last shot of the movie where the, the kids and, and Gru are silhouetted against the moon, uh, is very effective. So I, I ride for, for Megamind here today. But um, I think I prefer the, the look and the cinematography of Despicable Me. Category 10. Best quote slash best dialogue in the movie. It's, this one's a simple one for me. Uh, I did not feel like there were any memorable lines in Despicable Me versus Megamind, where I thought there were a few good ones. So for Megamind, I wrote down, my death was greatly exaggerated. When uh, Megamind says it as Metro Man. And uh, I also wrote down, Roxanne says, apologies in order for the other night. And Megamind responds, yes, but make it quick. We have much more important matters to attend to. Okay, I'm not blown away by that line. Well, what do you have? So, well, my death... Was greatly exaggerated. Is a reference to the quote, the reports of my death are greatly exaggerated, which originated with Mark Twain. All right, I did not know that. Well, just filling you out on a little American literary history. Uh, I thought there were a lot of clever lines in Megamind. Uh, There's a moment early, uh, I think it's actually during that scene in the um, fake observatory, which I I mentioned enjoying, where Metro Man threatens Megamind, and Megamind says, I'm shaking in my baby seal leather boots, which I, I I thought was funny. I'm trying to, I can't, can't remember the context of this I've written down. She will never find out. That's the point of lying. I think, yeah, yeah, that was a good one. I think that's when Megamind is pretending to be Bernard, and he's talking to He's Minion. talking to Minion, yeah. Um, I like that one. That's that, a good one. That's a good one. And um, Amy, my fiance, mentioned that she heard me laugh out loud watching um, Megamind. And I think it was because of this line. Um, it's when Roxanne shows up to meet Bernard after uh, she was being flown around by Titan. She sits down and her hair looks kind of crazy. And Megamind says, wow, your hair looks exciting. That cracked me up. Oh, uh, so I think this is Megamind rubbing uh, his his time spent with uh, 
Roxanne in the face of Titan. He says, and we were smooching up a storm. I like that one. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. I really like she will never find out. That's the point of lying. That cracks me up. Let's go with that. All right. Uh, did you have anything in Despicable Me? Not one. Perfect. Blowout Megamind. Oh, uh, I would like to mention one joke. It's a visual joke in Despicable Me, which which I thought was clever writing, which... Uh, happens when Gru goes to the evil bank for the first time. There's a big sign. It says evil bank, and beneath that it says formerly Lehman Brothers. (laughs) A lot of people might not know what that reference means. I do, but uh, a lot of of our audience might not know. Uh, Do you want to elaborate that joke? I mean, Lehman Brothers was one of the over-leveraged banks that collapsed. In the 2008 financial crisis. Right, so that's a smart joke. Ripe for humor in 2010. Category 11. Which movie gets the good time at the movies award? You're saying this is not a tough one. Okay, I'll tell you this. If you're an adult, Megamind's better. If you're a kid, Despicable Me is better. As a family film, I think Despicable Me should get this award. This is tough. This is as a tough. Su- as a superhero film, Megamind should have the award. As a family film, Despicable Me should have the award. Are we battling two superhero movies or two family movies? Well, that's not exactly what this category is about. We're talking about a good time at the movies. And Despicable Me then would win this. Oh man, can you let me like pontificate for like just a little bit? <laughs> Sorry. So uh we went to see Megan over the weekend, which not a great film, but do you I think you and I talked about this, a good time at the movies, right? Yeah, the audience was engaged, the audience was cheering. Right, yeah. You know, the audience was really reactive. Uh, there was a, a creepy dance sequence, which I'm I'm finding out. That's one of my favorite things uh, to see in any movie. I was thinking about the dance sequence in like Ex Machina. Um, a little bit uh, the dance sequence in the new Wednesday series on Netflix. The Joker with uh, Walking Phoenix has a creepy dance. I have nothing good to say about the Joker. It only made a billion dollars. I'm probably on the same camp as you. I did not enjoy it as much as the people who spent a billion dollars on it did. We'll have to... Talk, talk about that on our clown twin movie episode. <laughs> so um, going back to something that I said earlier, where I really do feel like I started this conversation with a hard edge against uh, Despicable Me. But, you know, we already mentioned like the story kind of climaxing in a, an emotional moment uh, where Gru reads his little rhyming book that he's written for the kids. And while... I think it's a cheap shot. It makes for a good time at the movies. And then, you know, when you've got these like little, you know, Tylenol-shaped yellow creatures who uh, are, you know, dancing to the Bee Gees, like, that's a good time at the movies. So, you know, I, I think Megamind's a more sophisticated and, and, and better executed story. But I'm, 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 I'm willing to join your team and say Despicable Me is probably a better time at the movies. I'm just curious, Michael. Which do you, which film do you think had the better climax? The the the, the moon moon heist climax, or not the moon heist climax? The the moon uh, expanding back into its original form climax, or the big fight in Metrocity at the end? Which which climax do you prefer? I mean, when I was watching these films, I was more invested in Megamind than I was in Despicable Me. But in memory, there's more specific things about Despicable Me that are kind of sticking out to me than Megamind. 
I feel like Megamind's a more consistent story, but somehow Despicable Me turns the screws at the end and, you know, creates a more emotional moment. So it's tough. It's tough to say, uh, you know, I prefer one or the other. Sure. Let's get to the superhero genre-specific categories. Now, this is us taking a deeper dive into the twin movies, and I think we're qualifying them as superhero movies before we're qualifying them as family movies. So we're going to ask questions that are specific to the superhero movie genre. Category one in the superhero genre-specific categories. Which movie has the best superpower or super technology that the protagonist has? Do you want me to start? So we're talking about Gru, and we're talking about Megamind. Yeah, this is Gru versus Megamind, who has uh, better powers, better technology, or something specific, I guess, in their canon. Uh, where in the case of Batman and Superman or uh, Iron Man, it would be much more clear what their powers are. Yeah, These guys are kind of both scientists, and uh, so it's, it's a little bit tougher. I think Gru has more purpose behind everything he makes. Plus, he has an entire science lab full of minions dedicated to him so i like his creativity and inventiveness better than i like that of megaminds so they both fit the mold of like the mad scientist to some degree right i think megamind is better at the showmanship of his inventions whereas Gru is better at the creativity of his inventions in fact uh, in different times in the movie megamind puts on a show I have to count, counter this point, though, that in the film Despicable Me, Gru is not even the best mad scientist in his movie. And in Megamind... Well, there is no competition for Megamind. I mean, he has villains. Let or, me ask you this. If Gru and Megamind existed in the same universe, who would be the more powerful villain? Well, you know, in my head, I'm running through here of their different gadgets and, um, and, and which ones work, right? And so, you know, Gru has a shrink ray. Did he create the shrink ray? No, he stole the shrink ray. He stole the shrink ray. And Megamind has the dehydrating ray. Which he made and invented. Which works. Uh Uh-huh. He also has the... I think think you're swaying me now. He also has... I I, I thought I'd have a good shot at this. He also has the transformation watch, which I I really like. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, which also he made, mm-hmm. whereas Gru's, yeah, yeah, I think I think you're you're swaying me big time over here. Right, I will I will there. stand by my statement, which is that Gru, I uh, like his uh, creativity, uh, but he's not able to bring product to market as well as Megamind can. Okay, I'm gonna take the W and walk away. <laughs> Point Megamind. The next category. Which movie has the best sidekick? So in superhero movies, there's usually sidekick. Right. Uh, in this movie, for Gru, is, is the sidekick the doctor, the girls, or the minions? For We're talking specifically about Gru. Indespicable me. I think it, I mean, it comes down to the minions or Dr. Nefaro. I guess the question is, what's, what is Gru's relationship with Dr. Nefaro? Uh, it's, it's not clarified, and it is very... And I'll tell you this, I, I think we should lean minion, minions on this because when Nafaro's not around, the minions are still there to help him out. I also, I'm, 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 I'm inclined to agree with you because Gru seems to expect that he'll get in trouble 
with Dr. Nefaro. That's, you know, when he doesn't like fulfill the, the, the part of the task that he's responsible for. And no superhero or supervillain would ever be afraid of disappointing their sidekick. Good point. So for Despicable Me, the, the sidekick are the minions. And clearly in Megamind, the sidekick is minion. <laughs> so both movies right. use the word minion. So uh, to, to, just so to if, if the audience has not watched these movies in a while, minions are the annoying yellow funny things that are in Despicable minions. Me. Minions. So when we, talk, when, we, when, we're, when we say multiples, minions, we're talking about the Despicable Me. The yellow Tic Tacs. The little yellow Tic Tacs that say banana. Yes, and right. when we are saying minion, we mean the fish in the jar on the robot body. Right. That is alongside Megamind. Okay, those are our sidekicks. Okay. Now, cuteness aside, which is the better sidekick? Well, I mean, it's, uh, you know, so when we see best sidekick, are we saying the sidekick that you would more like to have? Do you think that that's a good way to measure this? Let me think this through, because I think the minion's question is going to appear in a later category. Because if, I, if the goal is, like, merchandising, then the minions are a clear winner. Mm. But if we're talking, like, who do I want out there when I'm in trouble? Minion. Fishbowl minion. Yeah, fishbowl, fishbowl minion makes a sacrifice as well. He's, he's more effective. He's more autonomous, right? Yeah. Good in a pinch. Do the minions ever come to Gru's rescue? I feel like more often than not... I think, I think they're too dumb to come to Gru's rescue. And I don't know if it specifically happens in Despicable Me, but in the sequels, they often come to help Gru out. And I cannot remember a specific example because I have not seen some of the sequels in a very long time. I, just, I feel like when the minions arrive... It's kind of a coin flip as to whether they're going to help or hurt the situation. Let's say we were talking about Batman, and we said, you know, is he a good sidekick? I don't think we'll talk about the popularity of the character. I think we, we would talk about the functionality of the character. Yeah. So in that way, I agree with you. I think Fishbowl, Robot, Minion from Megamind All takes right. the point. Point goes to min- uh, Minion, singular. All right, our last superhero-specific category. Which movie has the best villain slash threat to the world? So, well, are, are we are we calling the protagonists of these movies villains? Or are we calling Vector and Vector in Despicable Me and our guy Jonah Hill Titan the villain, or are we saying the protagonists, which is Gru and Megamind? I mean, I think villains? it has to be the challenger to our protagonist. Okay, or the threat to the world. Correct. Right. So I think I, th- I think Moon Heist. I, I mean, uh, the the expansion of the moon then is the greater greater threat to the world. The you? expansion of the moon is the threat to the world. I guess they don't quite spell it out, but if the moon were to actually blow up on Earth, that would be a problem. They never spell it out, though. I think it's more squarely that Vector is the foil to Gru, right? Yeah, I, I think if they actually said, oh, the Earth, uh, the, the moon is going to blow up and affect the Earth, then that would make yeah, it the moon. But that's never made clear. That's never made clear. Okay, so I'll, I'll go on this journey with you and call Vector okay. the main threat. And I think it's pretty clear in Megamind that Titan becomes the key threat to Megamind and the world of the movie. Yeah, so who is the best villain slash threat? So who 
presents the greater threat to the greatest number of people. Here, here's what I was thinking. Vector doesn't quite want to kill Gru, and Titan wants to kill Megamind, and is and can kill Megamind. Yes. Yes. And the second thing I, I was thinking is that Vector is an equal, if not greater, challenge to Gru intellectually, whereas Titan can be outsmarted by Gru, as is shown by the reveal in the climax of the movie. So there's there's strengths and weaknesses in each of these villains. Well, intellectually, Vector is strong. Physically, Titan is strong. I think that is an excellent point. If you are measuring the potential damage, or if you're measuring what would be the damage caused by each villain's, like, the fulfillment, right, of their goal or desire, Titan wants to rule the city and subjugate its people, right? And I guess you could extrapolate that to say, well, if, if, if Titan was able to control Metro City then he may present a, a greater thought beyond that. But for the world of the movie, he wants to rule Metro City. He wants to kill Megamind. But he can also be outsmarted. So if he were to expand his operation, smarter people around the globe might be able to easily take him down. Right, but he does reveal that he has murderous intent. Yes. Meanwhile, I mean, I don't know that I've ever encountered a more annoying character in any film that I've ever seen than Vector. He's unpleasant to look at. His just his like body shape is so, I don't want to body shame anybody here, but his, the shape of his character is so frustrating. I just like the physics of of him as a a creation are so confusing. One one nod in his favor as being a, a worse villain is that he is a participator in nepotism. We find out that his father runs the evil bank. So, I mean, if you're, if you're looking for a way to convince me that you're, you are a bad person, then like being the son of a, you know, financial criminal that that's, that's up there. But the thing about grew and thing about vector that and we've kind of talked about this already nobody really seems to care about them nobody really seems to notice them right it's kind of like the john wick thing which is that all these assassins exist and they care for each other but the world doesn't quite know about them. right so other than like he is stealing monuments i mean he is going to steal the moon and if he stole the moon that would, I think, destroy the world. Yeah, and and all of the concerns of the world are shown in news stories. I guess in both movies, but we see the people in Metrocity in their physical form actually Met- being Metro affected. City. I'm going to call it Metrocity from okay. now on. Uh, <laughs> I just like how Will Ferrell did it. So Vector is also able to defend his lair. If Vector posed a real threat to the world, he would be able to hold his own. Whereas if Titan threaten the world, I think he would be quickly outsmarted by the more able people in the world. So as as a villain, and as an interesting villain, because if you look at uh, where Titan lives and where Vector lives, Vector's pad is just, despite his body image that you earlier pointed out, I think, you know, he's got a shark there, man. And he's telling the shark to shut up. You know, 
I, I, I think I'll, I'll go with Vector on this one. I think this is plain and simple for me. What do you I think? mean, I, I feel like I have swayed back and forth while we've been talking about this. And while I think it's, I, I, I think it almost comes down to the fact that Titan has the capability to say, like, I will commit murder. And he's okay with that. Whereas the stakes aren't ever really clearly represented like that, you know, in Despicable Me. But I will say that I will I will agree with you, and and I think land where you're landing, due to the fact that t- Titan doesn't have the intellectual capability nor the vision to exceed the the heights that we kind of see him reach, which are he can control a city, he can present a physical threat to he, he he's never gonna invent a shrink gun he's never gonna go out of his way to capture the moon and the thing is even if he kills megamind metro man could come out of retirement and probably take care of them yeah yeah so okay. point despicable me best villain slash threat vector i want to say this is the exact tenor of conversation that i aspire to in this podcast the next uh, section of this podcast is oh my god <laughs> It's still going. The next section of this podcast is the twin movie special category. So, All right, let's blaze through these. So this is what we, we love about twin movies, which is different movies made by different studios about a similar subject. And when you really look at them under a microscope, they have a lot of similarities. And these are those categories. These are the ultra-specific similarities between twin movies. So... Every episode, we come up with a few questions. HT comes up with them, and then they're surprised to me. Ultra, ultra specific to the movies that we're discussing. So you'd be surprised by this one, because I don't think you thought of it. Which movie has the better aquatic life? Better aquatic but, life? Be, be, better, better use of aquatic life for storytelling purposes. Well, I mean, so in Megamind, we've got Minion, who is a fish. Yes. And I'm trying to think, where is the aquatic life? That's it. That's the aquatic life. Yeah, but where is the aquatic life in Despicable Me? Despicable Me, you got the, is it an octopus or a squid gun? Squid gun. And then there's a shark. There is sharks. There's a shark. And I'm trying to think of other examples. But there's clearly, uh, the the squid helps him get on uh, Gru's spaceship. Uh, The shark helps defend Vector's castle in Despicable Me. Uh, so those are the two uses of aquatic life, sea life, in Despicable Me. Whereas in Megamind, Minion, who is the fish in the bowl on the robot body, is the sidekick. So which movie uses aquatic life better? It's very clear to me. While I was watching Despicable Me, I felt really terrible for the way that the aquatic life was treated. I thought... Putting a squid in a gun was extremely disrespectful. Going to go on a tangent here for one minute. Did you see Avatar 2? I love Avatar 2. I mean, uh, okay, not as a story, but uh, we, we've talked about this before. It's a good time at the movies. It's, it's a good time at the movies. It's also, a great time at the movies. Special effects are brilliant. In right. Movie. There is, as you're aware, an extended sequence in Avatar 2 where humans, known as sky people, hunt and kill a space whale and you feel bad for the whale goes on forever it is like a more than 10 minute sequence and this is after we learn about like the complex society and integration 
of the whales in the Navi society, um, how they communicate, like, literally. They, they essentially talk to each other and the emotional bonds that they form. And we see this brutal extended sequence uh, of this whale being captured and killed. Oh, spoilers for Avatar 2 if you haven't seen it, guys. I mean, it is the only thing I've ever seen, despite being on Reddit a lot, that's really made me consider going vegetarian. So that's a tangent. But just to add to your tangent, to get more tangential, how did <laughs> humans ever figure out to get into the brain of the fish to get that thing out? I mean, spoiler alert, back to my main point, <laughs> which is I felt like the squid gun was really disrespectful to squids. And I think Minion in Megamind is honored and appreciated for being, you know, uh, for, for, for just being and being himself. So I, I, th- I think you're hitting on people from France for using squids. That I also have a thing about people being mean to the French. Like, the French get a lot of flack that they don't deserve. I was reading today that they have won the most wars. They have won the most wars and also... And lost the most. If you try to make them work one more year, they will burn your police station down. What is this about now? Oh, yeah, this was... They want to raise the retirement age in France. We, re- we, we love the French. So my preference is Minion in Megamind. The point goes to Megamind for the brilliant fish Minion. So... What would you rather have, the shrink ray from Despicable Me or the dehydrator from Megamind? They, they're both shrinking technologies. Yeah. Um, can you... Is it shown in the movie that you can unshrink things? In Despicable Me, it just kind of happens on its own as time passes based on the weight oh, of the right, object. right, 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 right. Whereas in Megamind, you can kind of control it through rehydrating. So you have much more control over how it returns to its original form in Megamind. But, we, I don't think we dive into this in Megamind, something that isn't hydrated, right? Something that doesn't have a, 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 a large water content, you wouldn't be able to shrink. That's true. That's true. So, so while you do have control over resizing the thing whenever you choose to in Megamind, it is limited to only hydrated objects. I mean, that makes it an easy choice for me. What do you choose? Despicable Me, Shrink Ray. Shrink Ray. But with no control over the de-shrinking. I'd figure that out. I'm just thinking about shrinking like something I want. Like I want to take something from one place to another and I, I, I want it, I, I need it to be small. But the unshrinking could happen at the most inopportune moment. So let's say you and I fly a lot of gear for uh, the work that we do. Let's say we have a bunch of cases and in order to save on, uh, you know, baggage fees, we shrink, shrink it all down and, you know, we're happily sitting on our flight and then boom, it all expands at the most inopportune time. Not only do we not get to do another podcast, but all of the other people on the plane suffer due to our uncontrollable expansion from the shrunken object. So <clears throat> I feel like, you can you you'd be able to experiment right and be able to accurately estimate how long something is going to stay tiny it's mentioned in the film what affects 
the rate at which an item unshrinks. So you're saying Nefaro could figure out the specifics of the unshrinkage. So I'm 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 looking at Despicable Me Wiki right now, which is the thing that exists. And it says... By the way, guys, donate to Wikipedia if you can. I love it. Yeah, Wikipedia. Not Despicable Me Wiki. The larger the object, the quicker the effects of the shrink ray wear off. Right? Okay. So you you and I are probably going to deal with something that's much smaller than the moon. And you're going to have an amount of time. You're going to have a fair amount of time to have it be shrunk. Are you willing to take that chance? Yes. I mean, again, I think, you know, you experiment and you take notes and you say, this is how long X will stay shrunken. Okay. I think you have me convinced. If the science can more accurately predict the unshrinkage, but like, what if I have to use a bathroom or something and I'm not able to get back to getting the unshrinking object away from the dangerous situation in the right time. Okay, I thought you were trying to use the shrink ray to solve your I have to go to the bathroom problem, which was confusing and horrifying to me. I, I, I just kind of changed thoughts midway as I was speaking. That Again, I mean, you know, I, I can't make you a better planner. So, you know, if you don't think you're up to the task, that's fine. But, you know, I'm a planner and a diligent note taker. So shrink ray works for me. Okay, shrink ray it is All instead right. of the dehydrator. You can also use it in places where water does not exist. I like that. That's big for me. The next category in the twin movie specific categories is... Which movie has the best minion? Is it the little yellow Tic Tac minions that are Charlie Chaplin-like and and Buster Keaton-like doing all types of shenanigans? Or is it the minion, which is the fish in the bowl on top of a robot body, which is a super helpful sidekick? What do you think? So, I mean, we we discussed how uh, effective Minion from Megamind is as a sidekick and and how maybe ineffectual the Minions are in Despicable Me in in terms of uh, you know, functioning as as they're intended to. What what would you rather have around you, I guess? But that that's a that that's kind of different. That's kind of a different question than where I'm I'm going here, which I'm a, I'm as surprised as anybody that that I'm going down this route, right? But I had never heard of Minion, the fish bowl-headed creation from the film Megamind until until I saw the film. He's forgettable. Okay, that seems harsh, but okay. How many times have I seen Minions in the world in Halloween costumes and like candy containers in the store? You know how many kids have i seen with with minion toys or like minion shirts uh i didn't need to see despicable me to know what a minion is and i have a lot of issues with the writing of despicable me but 10 20 30 million little kids can't be wrong they fucking love minions so okay before minions were popularized around the world, what did the word minion by itself actually mean? Uh, you know, like a like a person who does a task for you. Yeah, like a um, like a servant. You know, I think of like Igor. You know, a follower or underlying underling of a underling. powerful person. Underlings, probably. especially uh, in servitude. Yeah, uh, and, an underling and, and and unimportant. Sure. Un- so. 
by the definition of the word minion, the the person is under a very powerful person and that they're unimportant. I think the Tic Tac Yellow Minions with the one eyeball or the two eyeballs, depending on which one you're looking at, is a better version of it than the smarter fish in a bowl on top of a robot body. No, I mean, I feel a little weird that like you're going intellectual here and I'm going emotional, but yeah, I agree with you. All right, point despicable me. And that is the end of all of the categories. <laughs> Let's tally it up. What do we got? Look, I, I, I honestly have no idea which way this is going to go. So, Michael, uh, because I don't have your notes in front of me, I have no idea who actually won. We'll do a quick rundown. Category one, which movie won the release date? Despicable Me. Category two, which movie won the box office? Despicable Me. Category three, which movie has the better title? Despicable Me. Category four, which movie has the better leading actor? Megamind. Category five, which movie has the best cast? Also Megamind. Category six, which movie has the best, best scene? Also Megamind. Category seven, which movie has the best title drop? After much deliberation, a half point was granted to each film. Category 8. Which movie had the best music moment slash needle drop? Megamind. Category 9. Which movie had the best director? Megamind. This was my ace up the sleeve, man. This was Despicable Me. No, 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 no. You did this on... Oh, is it? Re... Is that true? Yeah. Are you 100% sure? Yes. That changes things. Cool. <laughs> Are we going to break even? We need like an intern to keep count here. I feel like I got to go back to the recording. You're 100% sure. I'm uh, 100% sure because before best, we agreed on best cinematography. Okay, so I mean, I I preemptively put the answer I wanted in. (laughs) Category nine, which was best director, goes to? Despicable Me. Despicable Me, the French win it. Category 10, best cinematography. Despicable Me. Category 11, the best quote slash best dialogue in a movie. Megamind. Megamind coming back. Category 12, which movie is A Good Time at the Movies? The Good Time at the Movies Award goes to Despicable Me. The next section was the superhero genre specific categories. Category 1 there is which movie has the best superpower slash super technology that the protagonist has? Megamind. The next one is which movie has the best sidekick? Also, Megamind. The next category is which movie has the best villain slash threat to the world? Despicable Me. Despicable Me. Mm. Do you want to tell us where we're at right now or should we keep nope. going? Now we go to the twin movie special categories. The first question was, which movie had the best use of aquatic life for storytelling? Megamind. Next category was, which movie had the better gadget, Shrinkway versus Dehydrator? Despicable Me. The next and last category was, which movie has the better minion? Also Despicable Me. All right. What is the total, Michael? Tell right, us. Let me, let me double, double check this math. Yeah, we have like a half point floating around there somewhere. All right. Uh, do you have a guess about where we landed? I think I heard a lot more Despicable Me than I heard Megamind. And this is a surprise to me because I love Megamind. Is did Despicable Me win? I mean, this is it's it, this is as tight as it's ever been on the pod so far. Uh, Megamind finished with eight and a half points, and Despicable Me edged it out with nine and a half 
points. And with that, Despicable Me takes the crown for the better twin movie of these two movies about villains that were released in 2010. The debate ends here and now. I mean, I don't know how I feel about this. Again, Megamind is the, the film that I preferred to watch. It, it, it is a better script. But society, the societal momentum that Despicable Me has, like it is a part. Oh, man, I feel like I'm going to throw up a little bit. It's a part of our culture. You're going to be 70 with a minion doll next to you. <laughs> yeah, no, minions are in our life, and they're going to be in our lives for, for like the foreseeable future. <laughs> All right, the age-old debate is settled in the Hollywood versus Hollywood podcast. Despicable Me total was? Nine and a half. Megamind only at? Eight and a half. All right. Well, that's what we're here for. We put unresolved matters to rest. No more arguments about this. Oh, I'm looking at all you film nerds out there. No more arguments about this. Michael, do you have anything to add before we close it out? All right. I got one hot take. I got to come. I got to come in with a little bit of Despicable Me shade at the end here. All Go right. Despicable Me is a film wherein a woman who runs an orphanage forces children to go sell cookies in order to earn her money, and she is not the villain of the movie. That is she, probably the most French thing about this movie. She is never held to account. You know, it made me think of those guys from Slumdog Millionaire who, like, take the eyes of the children out to make them go beg. Like, this is an evil woman. Like, she's maybe more evil than Vector. I haven't seen the sequels, but I'm going to guess that this is not brought up again. Anyway, that's, I think her, is her name Miss Hattie? Miss Hattie, that's correct. Miss Hattie. I think that, was that played by Julie Andrews? No, the grandma was played by Julie Andrews. Miss Hattie deserves to be in The Hague. She should be locked up. That's my hot take. <laughs> if you have watched some French movies, and you can see the French influence because of the creators. They of hate movie. children? They hate orphans. Yeah, some of my favorite movies from that sphere of the world are, uh, was it Delicatessen? The Delicatessen. Yeah. The Delicatessen, and there's... No, it's, there's... Just, it's just Delicatessen, you're right. And there's a city of lost children. Oh yeah, that's disturbing. What what is with the the French and uh, you know? I don't know. They have a complicated relationship kids. with childhood. I hope we don't get a lot of hate mail from uh, French nationals on uh, on this podcast. But we we love both of these movies. Uh, well, maybe not you, but I enjoy and love both of these movies. Uh, Minions will be a part of our lives for a long time. All right, I'm gonna come in with one pro Despicable Me take to wrap things up earlier said i didn't really have a good quote but i i have a note here of a uh, a group quote that i really liked he says uh i have pins and needles that i'm sitting on okay i thought that was a clever like the sitting on a spin on sitting on pins and i shouldn't needles. have gone down this road i should have just let you close it out but i i do want to since you brought grew up i do want to say that i loved what's what steve carell did with the voice of him because you don't quite know where this accent is from is it supposed to be german is it supposed to be uh, what part of where in the world is the accent coming from? Do you have any clue? I also I have a quote here. It says he's 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 nice but scary like Santa. Oh yeah, that's that good. cracked me up. That's good. That's good. The girls say that. One of the girls says that probably about Guru. Probably yeah. Uh, what do you think about his accent, Corral's accent? Confusing, but you know I I swear Megamind comes in hot with an accent in the beginning of the film, and then a scene or two in, it's gone. I thought it was Will Ferrell across the board like he normally talks. He's got, there's a little thing going on, but I'm glad he dropped it. 
Yeah. And I really like I really liked his performance. All right. Thanks for coming in, Michael. Thanks for being uh, part of this episode and being my co-host on uh, the Hollywood versus Hollywood podcast. Thank you, HT. Thank you, Stanley the Cat. Next time you think about which villain is the better protagonist and is the better movie, just look at our final score. It is the most democratic of competitions only on the Hollywood versus Hollywood podcast. Thank you for listening to the Hollywood vs. Hollywood podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. And connect with us on Instagram at Hollywood vs. Pod. <laughs>